0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Oz. It is Tuesday, the 10th of May. On today's podcast, we're going to be exploring the COVID situation in Shanghai and increasingly in China's capital, Beijing. Pretty dramatic measures being taken to restrict the spread of the virus. We can tell you all about that in the deep dive. First, Zara, there's been plenty of commentary around Sunday's debate. What have the leaders been saying?
1: There sure has been. Prime Minister Scott Morrison labelled Sunday night's leaders' debate as spirited, saying these are passionate topics. When he was asked about behaviour towards the debate's female moderator, Morrison said both Anthony and I are completely respectful, have always been respectful of females in the workplace. Labor's housing spokesperson, Jason Clare, called the debate pretty full-on and pretty shouty. Wouldn't disagree with that.
0: John Lee, the former security chief who oversaw violent crackdowns on pro democracy protesters in Hong Kong, has been named the region's new chief executive. Hong Kong's chief executive is appointed by a committee of 1,500 people who are almost all selected by the Chinese government. Lee was the only candidate.
1: Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has said Russian forces bombed a school, killing at least 60 people. According to Zelensky, the victims were civilians who were, quote, simply hidden in the school from shelling. He called the act a targeted strike at the school and labelled it another crime of the occupiers.
0: And today's good news, it was a penguin party on Victoria's Phillip Island Beach where over 5,000 little penguins swum to shore last week. It marked the most significant number recorded there since the early 1960s. Apparently they were all wearing black and white tuxedos. You may have seen some images on your social media feed about the strict lockdowns occurring in Shanghai at the moment. The city is under a strict lockdown, which was briefly relaxed last week, but reports are now emerging that they have once again tightened, despite decreasing case numbers. We've read that residents in a number of districts were told as recently as yesterday that they cannot leave their homes under any circumstances and cannot accept deliveries. Zara, before you give us a bit more information about what's going on, can you remind us of China's zero COVID policy?
1: Well, I'm sure most people are familiar with it, but you might be surprised to learn that whilst the majority of the world has moved to a phase of learning to live with COVID, China is still committed to zero COVID, so where Australia was over a year ago. Last month, China's President Xi Jinping said it was necessary to overcome paralyzing thoughts, war-wariness and slack mentality. And just to give you context, the city recorded 324 new cases yesterday. This has dropped significantly. It hit a peak of more than 5,000 in April and it's clear it's decreasing. But the government is clearly committed to getting that number to zero. You might be wondering how many people live in Shanghai. It's about 26 million people. So the same population size as Australia.
0: Can you paint me a picture of what Shanghai looks and feels like at the moment?
1: Well, the first word that comes to mind is empty. If you remember what the world looked like in the beginning days of the pandemic, so say April 2020, empty streets, empty cities. It very much resembles that now. One report told of a woman walking down an abandoned street shouting through a megaphone for people to stay inside. Some people in hazmat suits have been demanding that residents who have contracted the virus hand over keys to their homes so that the homes can then in turn be disinfected. One video online shows police picking a lock after a resident refused to open the door. Now you might notice I've been talking then about videos. That is something that residents in the city can't see and that's because of China's extremely strict censorship online.
0: So go a bit deeper into what these measures look like. What are the rules in place right now?
1: The lockdown in Shanghai has involved extreme measures, as you just said. Residents are not allowed to leave their homes to buy groceries and have complained government supplies are insufficient. There have also been reports of difficulty accessing healthcare and footage has circulated online of officials using violence to crack down on people defying these restrictions. The city is still using a very wide net to capture close contacts of a confirmed case. So previously, all of those who live on the same floor as someone who tested positive were transported to designated quarantine facilities. But now there are reports that anyone in the entire apartment block will be taken to quarantine. As you can imagine, this can at time mean hundreds, if not thousands of people. In fact, according to the New York Times, half a million Shanghai residents who have tested positive have been sent to quarantine camps.
0: And now the situation is not just limited to Shanghai. What other parts of China are feeling these restrictions?
1: That's right. So Beijing, which has significantly less cases than Shanghai, has also been placed under strict restrictions. Movement has been slowly restricted across the city because of a handful of cases. Officials are requiring more and more of the city to strictly work from home, and they've ordered the shutdown of a number of business districts and all non-essential businesses.
0: You mentioned before the extremely tight censorship laws that exist online in China. How are journalists around the world getting the critical information they need to report on this situation?
1: Yeah, well, it's not like in Australia where there are government statements put out with a clear set of rules on what you can and can't do. A lot of the information being fed to journalists is being fed via residents on the ground who are sharing information via social media or speaking to media directly. And a lot of people who are speaking to the media are anonymous out of fear for whatever the repercussions might be. I think it's fair to say that the sentiment from the residents is one of a lot of anger.
0: And finally, we know that events in China have massive economic impact around the world. What are we seeing reflected in the markets?
1: There's obviously been a major impact to economic activity, with the economy contracting sharply in April amid factory closures and supply chain disruptions. There are no surprises there. The same thing happened here in Australia when we had our lockdowns. What's different about China is the scale of the economies that are being shut down. They are one of the biggest and certainly most productive economies in the world. Suppliers faced the longest delays in more than two years in delivering raw materials to their manufacturing customers and Chinese port activity fell below levels seen during the first COVID outbreak back in 2020. What this looks like for customers all over the world is delayed shipping times, the absence of particular products in overseas markets, and then increased costs associated with materials and products we use every day. Our markets were down 1.2% yesterday on the back of concerns about this lockdown.
0: This is an interesting story that I think might have gotten a little bit lost in the federal election noise of the last few weeks, but nonetheless, an extremely important one to be reporting on and thinking about. Zara, thank you for that. If you enjoyed the podcast today, you can give us a review or rate us on Spotify. We really appreciate it. And don't forget to listen to today's episode of No Silly Questions, where you can hear the full unedited version of Tom Crowley's interview with Greens leader Adam Bandt. Have a wonderful Tuesday.